Hey y'all, welcome back to Are You Okay? The podcast where we ask ourselves, the people around us, are they okay? Whether it be through their creepy stories or just venting about life. Um, This week though, when I read the story, it's not going to be as creepy as the other ones, but this story definitely has a lot of twists and turns and it's going to have you on the edge of your seat. I've read this story like once or twice to myself a couple of times, but then I realized how crazy this is and I'm like, I got to put it on the podcast. I just got to, why not? So this story is by somebody named Shane Morrison or Shane Morris. I hope it's real because just thinking about like, (laughs) you're going to figure it out, but I hope it's real. I hope it's not something made up. It seems real because it is a Twitter thread and he posts pictures on there and it seems like it's a real story. But before we get into the story, you know, I always got to do a little life update. First off, if I have any new listeners, welcome. I hope you're doing okay. Um, But as far as me, am I doing all right? I'm doing okay. I'm just doing okay. Just it. the two letters, O and K. Nothing more. Don't put the A-Y at the end, just the O and the K because work has started back up again. I'm a little bit overwhelmed by that, um, mainly because, uh, you know, coronavirus changed everybody's lives. Um, and then second, I'm just overwhelmed by life in general. When they tell you that life comes at you fast, they mean it. That It just comes at you and you don't even realize, like, it can all happen in a matter of seconds where you realize, like, oh, I ain't been making the best decisions or like, oh, I need to change some things around. And that's where I'm sitting at. I'm just looking at where I'm at right now in my situation. And like, even though I just like just like two months ago, maybe three or so months ago, got out of the toxic roommate situation, which I still feel like I don't want to get into that. Now, it ha- some time has to go by because there was potential lawsuits in that whole situation. And, you know, I don't know about how the law works when you want to talk about potential cases that could be open because I don't know what's been filed on other parties' behalves. But um, probably nothing because people be bluffing. But anyway, let's get into the story. So this is a story about how Shane accidentally transported a brick of heroin you heard me a whole brick of heroin from Los Angeles to Seattle which is a, which is a good distance that's basically the whole west coast um all right so i was living in Newport Beach California kind of just trying to figure my life out My buddy Tyler calls me up out of the clear blue and he's like, hey, dude, you want to do the most epic road trip ever? And I'm like, sure. At this time, Tyler was a boat mechanic in South Florida. So I fly down to Miami and I end up staying with one of his co-workers for a few days until I can buy a Honda Shadow 750 for like $2,700. He already had one, so I got a matching bike so we could share spare parts. 
From Miami, we set off across the United States, staying at the kind of motels along the way that you will see on the movies, like No Country for Old Men. If you're going to ride across the United States on a motorcycle, do it on two-lane roads. It's worth it. Pause. I've driven across the United States. I just did that, and every time I get the chance to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. So i just driven across the United States. I live... I don't live in Florida, but I live on the East Coast, and I drove from the East Coast to the West Coast, and I took the Southern route, and I was on 40. I don't know if anybody listening knows what Interstate 40 looks like, but it's just, it's pretty much the roads that he's talking about, and I went through the states, Virginia, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and finally uh, to California. I think I mixed up Arkansas, Oklahoma. I went to Arkansas, then Oklahoma. But you get the point. I went through all those states. It's definitely worth it. It's worth driving to see the gradual change of like the climates or like of what it looks like. Because when you're on the East Coast, if you're from the East Coast, it's trees galore. You you can drive anywhere and just be trees everywhere. And then somehow, some way, you just be looking around when you get to like Texas or New Mexico and you like, where did the trees go? Like, when did it stop being so green? That that's when it's worth it. But anyways, and pictures don't do it justice. But um we end up singing down through Mexico, and this isn't really important to the story. But we pulled over to rest in the middle of the desert and these wild horses walked up to us and were actually like oddly friendly. They let us pet them. It was super cool. Anyways, after like 10 days, we made it back into Southern California. He had an uncle in um, Temeluca. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I'm going to call it Temeluca. Temecola. Temecola. And my ex was in Newport Beach. So we both rested for a few days. Riding a bike across the country takes a toll on your body. So we decided to switch it up. We decided to sell our bikes and buy a 1979 Dodge Ram van. I want to say we paid like $600 each for it. So $1,200 all in. It needed a little work, but the important part was it was all easy stuff. We named the van Cassandra and wrote our names on the door. So in this part of the Twitter thread, he has a picture of him and his friend in the van. Um, It just looks like the best way I can describe it. I mean, besides saying that it's a 1979 Dodge Ram van, um, it just looks like your average rapey van. That's all I'm saying. It just looks like the typical rapey van. Or if you watched Cars, keep up with me. If you watched Cars, the Disney film, and it's that like van that's always kind of high. It looks like him, but it's just white. It's just white and it has like a like um, like a black strip along the door. The plan was easy. We'll drive up the Pacific Coast Highway and camp all along the way. We took the middle seats out of the van so we could keep so we could sleep in it at night in case it was raining. Then we went to REI to get hammocks for hammock camping. 
On our way up, we stopped in Santa Barbara and picked up my sister. At the time, she was in school at UCSB and she was planning on flying home to the Bay Area to see our dad. So I was like, just come camping on the beach with us. So she did. And then here he got a picture of him and his sister on the beach. Um, Driving north, we made it to some pretty cool spots like Bixby Canyon Bridge. All along the way, we're letting anyone who meets us write their name on the van and take a picture. It was fucking awesome. Around Big Sur, our van had its first problem. The rear drum brakes were making awful noises and locked up. I ended up buying a set of Craftsman's tools and then I did a brake job in the parking lot of a Walmart. While I was there, I was like, I'm going to do a few other things. When I got the van, I changed the oil and that's it. I know I should have done more of a tune-up, but honestly, the van was running fine. The interior was even pretty nice. On these Dodge vans, the old ones, the engine access inside the car is in between the driver and the passenger. I hadn't even lifted it up when I brought it. I'm an idiot, I know. So I decided to change the spark plugs, the fuel filter, the air filter, and I'm so glad I did. I opened the engine cover and sitting right on top of the engine was like grass, straw, and little bits of carpet. A mouse had made a home right there on top of the engine block. I'm lucky it hadn't started a fire. So I cleared everything out and changed the plug slash filter. I remember yelling at Tyler because he was the one who poured the oil in. And I was like, how the fuck did you not notice there was a fucking rat's nest on top of the fucking engine block when you were pouring the oil? (laughs) And he was like, it's an old car. (laughs) What the fuck? Um, So anyway, we drive up into Oakland and meet up with my friends there. We stayed at their house overnight, smoked weed, ate a meal and chilled out. Then we set off for Mount Shasta and Lake Shasta. It's a really beautiful lake. And here he got a picture of him and some friends in front of the van. All right. So it's a mixed group of friends. So we already get an idea. Shane and Tyler, you know, they seem like good company so far. We camp at Mount Shasta It's beautiful. The lake was really low, but the water felt great. Not really critical to the story, but go over there if you get the chance. Finally, and there's pictures of them there. Finally, we get up into Oregon, into the Cascades, and then head to Washington. The whole time we're hiking, camping, spending time in nature. It's really just one of the coolest experiences of my life. Not sure what summit this was, but he got a picture of him at a summit and it's sunset it's beautiful so here's the thing about old cars with (laughs) i want to say corroborators is that what it's called corroborators corroborators i'm gonna just say that corroborators you need to adjust them for altitude and an ideal fuel ratio at sea level is called sty (laughs) i don't know nothing about cars and I'm about to sound so crazy. It's called, I'm just going to say stylometric, stylometric, stylometric. I'm going to go with that. So an ideal fuel ratio at sea level is called stylometric. 
which means 14.7 parts air to one part fuel. As you gain altitude, you need to glean out your carb jets. Mount Jefferson is something like 10,000 feet. So as we're driving up, probably around 6,000 to 7,000 feet, the van starts running away to Rich. It was obvious, so I was like, Tyler, pull over. I'm going to lean out these jets. On a single barrel carb, you're only dealing with a few screws and springs, and basically you kind of just guess at it. So I'm just listening to the engine, and then I would reach over and tap the gas pedal to see how it sounded. So Tyler steps out the van, and I'm hunched over the engine, just twisting on the screws. Whoa, what accent was that? Just twisting on the screws, and I hit the gas, and Tyler's like, holy shit. At first, I'm like, oh my God, something's on fire. So I pop up and look around, and I'm like, what? Tyler is like, what the fuck is that? I look down at the carb, and I'm like, I don't know. What part are you looking at? Does something look broken? He's like, no, dude, look on the cover. I look to my left on the underside of the engine cover, and there's what appears to be a brick of aluminum foil, and it's taped up with aluminum tape, the clamshell cover, like the clamshell cover. Immediately, I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck? So I stop what I'm doing, turn the engine off, and start slowly prying this aluminum brick off the underside of the clamshell. Tyler is freaking out. He doesn't do drugs. He's like, oh my God, it's like on cops when they find the drugs hidden in the car. I get the brick untaped and then undo like seven layers of foil. They use a lot of foil on this thing. What I found was a white, perfectly shrink-wrapped brick. I thought it was Coke, so I cut open a bit of the corner, put some on my finger, and rubbed it on my gums. Drugs. Don't do drugs, kids, but this is drugs. So if you ever done Coke, you know it's kind of hot and then it makes your gums numb. This definitely wasn't Coke. And I'm not the type of dude who does heroin. Like, just don't do heroin. Seriously, it's no good. So Tyler and I are standing next to each other when I hear tires on the gravel behind us let me paint you a picture we're standing there with the hood up clamshell open side by side with a brick of pure heroin who do you think rolled up man a goddamn park ranger rolls up behind us just so you know park rangers are the police they have guns and they just happen to work in a park they can arrest you and everything I'm holding a brick of heroin in my hands and there's a park ranger 30 feet behind me. So I reach down and pretend to go into my toolkit. Thankfully, my hands are greasy as hell and I can pick up some tools. So I slide the brick under the seat. I pop around. Okay, hold up. Pause really quick. I hate when people call me when I'm trying to do my podcast. Like, leave me alone. It wasn't even nothing important. So anyway, let me try to pick up where I left off. Um, Thankfully, my hands are greasy as hell and I can pick up some tools. So I slide the brick under the seat. I pop around with and pretend I'm putting a socket set on a breaker bar. And I'm like, 
oh, hey there, how can I help you? The guy is like, you guys having trouble? I'm like, I'm just trying to jet the carbs. He's like, oh, I remember doing that when I was your age. Then he's like, you have done it before? I'm like, I kind of just, just learning as I go. We're from California. The dude laughs and he's like, here, I'll show you. So the ranger walks over and he's like, I remember these old Ram vans, so much room. We open up the clamshell and the guy's knee is like two inches from this brick. Man, I'm trying so hard to act normal. But Tyler, he's not playing it cool at all. He's like, you know, I'm sure Shane can figure it out. We don't need you wasting your time on us. The ranger's like, oh, it's no big deal. Most of the time I'm just telling people to put their trash higher up so the bears can't get to it. So he's just chatting with us and I'm telling him how we brought the van and drove all the way up the coast, etc. Finally, we get the jet set and the ranger's like, all right, you boys stay safe. Like he had no clue. He was probably two inches away from the biggest drug bust in the history of Oregon State Parks. Once he drives off, Tyler is freaking out. Oh my God, what are we going to fucking do, man? I'm just like, uh, we're going to make a shit ton of money selling a brick of heroin. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Wait. honestly, logical answer. Like, what the fuck are you supposed to do when you get a brick of heroin, though? So I wrapped it up and just stuck it in the bottom of the cooler and the freezer bags under the ice. Then we drove up into Seattle and I call one of my buddies who I know sells a shit ton of weight. Like I'm like, yo, we're going to blank out his name. We need to talk. I won't go into all the details, but I managed to sell it all to one person. It was lower risk. Plus, I'm not a drug dealer. For the record, my buddy Tyler wouldn't take any of the money. Eventually, I convinced him to let me give him $600 for the van so I could say I brought the van myself. The van was in his name, but the story isn't over yet. Oh no, you thought it was over, but it ain't. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished when he brought that van? Whatever. Anyways, I'm selling up the van. End up selling up the van to some hippies from Ashland and then moved to Atlanta. About a year goes by and I'm not even thinking about this van anymore. Then I got a phone call from a number I don't know. I let her go to voicemail. The same number calls me again 30 seconds later, so I answer it. Hello? The voice on the other, he didn't say hello like that. <laughs> that was definitely like when you're trying to be like, hello. He probably was like, hello? The voice on the other line, hey, can I speak to Shane? I'm like, speaking? Dude is like, hey, um, my dad gave me your number. He said he sold a van to you about a year ago. Immediately, I'm like, yeah, he sold me a van. This guy's like, wow, that's great news. I'm so glad I found you. So I don't like to talk about this, but I was in jail. I had a substance abuse problem and I ended up going to jail because I made some mistakes. I'm thinking, okay, weird. What's the angle here? So I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. Anyway, how can I help you? So the dude goes into this crazy ass long story. He tells me about how he has so many memories with the van. Yeah, it was in his dad's name, but it was his first car. He goes, I know it's just a beat up old van, but I really like to buy it back from you. Dad says you paid something like 
$1,200 for it. I think I'd be willing to go as high as, say, $1,800 to get it back. The memories are just that worth it to me. Ding, ding, motherfucking ding. The light goes on in my head. Jail? Substance abuse? He wants the van back. He's willing to pay $600 back over what I paid for it. Street value bagged up if you so well here. If you slow sell it here, there was something like 40 grand worth of heroin in that brick. This dude wanted his brick back. Quarter brick, half a brick, whole brick, A. <laughs> the guy didn't go to jail because he had a substance abuse problem. Boy, why are you on this phone lying to me? You know, you don't got no substance abuse problem. He wasn't no heroin junkie. And you know that damn well, they can't afford 40 grand worth in heroin. The guy did time because he was the plug. So I decided to make some money. <laughs> he was going to be a scam. He was about to be Shane the scammer. Anyways, I don't own this van anymore, but I definitely know who I sold it to and I know I can buy it back. So I start spinning a story like, man, I'm $1,800 just won't do it. I've put a lot of money into this van and it's really running like a top shelf. You know, it's running good now. It's like my daily driver. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, dude. She's in great condition. I did redid the car, the brakes, all the fuel lines, put some tires on it, redid the carpet on the interior a lot. I've probably put at least five grand into this thing. He's like, wow, you really did a lot. So he's like, where are you located? I'm like, oh, I'm up in Ashland, Oregon. Reminder, I was in Atlanta. He's like, oh, that's not too bad. If it runs as well as you say, I may just drive it up there with a friend and then drive it back down here. So finally, he's like, I respect that you put a lot of work into it. Like I said, the van has a lot of sentimental value to me, and I'm glad to hear you took care of it. I think I could offer you $6,200. That's what you paid for it, plus the $5,000 you say you invested So I said, all right, you got a deal. As soon as we hung up, I called the people in Oregon I sold the van to. I kind of sort of knew them through friends. And I was like, hey, do you still have the van? They're like, yeah, but it's not running. I'm like, oh. I was like, you care if I buy it back from you? The guy was like, dude, I sell it for 100 bucks if you just get it out of my driveway. So I was like, sold. I booked a ticket to Portland the next day. And then rented a car and drove to Ashland. Along the way, I called the owner of the van's son. And I'm like, hey, will you be free to drive up this weekend? He's like, oh, yeah, totally I can come up. It'll only take me two days to drive up there. It was Tuesday, and we agreed to meet on Sunday. I fly into Portland, rent a car, and then got to Ashland on Wednesday. I go to an auto parts store and buy a battery jumper kit and some hand tools. I need to get the van running. I go see the van and it's sitting there pretty dusty, but otherwise, okay. Um, The only thing wrong with the van was a bad battery. This couple just didn't want to spend any money on the van because they had recently purchased a Subaru Outback. Go figure, it's Ashland. So I changed the battery into an auto parts, um, in an auto parts store parking lot. 
Then I took the van to one of those self-cleaning car wash places and gave it a good wash and vacuum. Honestly, it cleaned up really nice. At this point, I decided to check in with the guy and kind of fuck with him a little bit in the process. The guy answers really fast and he's like, Shane, hey, buddy, what's up? I'm like, hey, do you want, hey, I do want to mention one thing about the van and I hope this doesn't change any of your plans about buying it. He goes silent. What's up? He, I was like, I don't want you to be mad, but, um, I brought the van, my friends and I, we, uh, we wrote on the outside of it with permanent marker. I can't get it off. I tried. And I hear him sigh like hella loud, like, <laughs> oh, that's fine. I can repaint it. I'm like, I want to be fair on the price because I didn't tell you. So how about I knock off $200? I just want to pay whatever is fair to get the marker off. He says, thanks for telling me. I'll accept the $200 discount. So see you Sunday. I'm like, yep. So next thing's next. I need to make a fake brick of heroin. So I head to a... <laughs> Bro, <laughs> what? How you gonna do that? I mean, he must tell us how he gonna do it, but... How you gonna do that? So I head to a Goodwill and buy a medium-sized paperback book. It was the Pelican Brief. I thought it was a funny detail for some reason. Good book, also good movie. Then I got in my rental and took off to Medford because I couldn't find aluminum tape anywhere near Ashland. I got there, got my tape, and then brought some heavy-duty foil in a grocery store. From there, I drove back to Ashland. Making the fake brick was actually pretty easy. I just wrapped it up the same way I remember the brick being wrapped and then taped it down with aluminum tape the same way I remember it being taped. Kind of like a tic-tac-toe board. They had taped the shit out of it. Then I kind of just waited. On Friday, I got a phone call from the dude letting me know he was on the road. And I said, hey, my mechanic says we can use his bay in case you want to inspect it. And the dude was like, oh, that won't be necessary. I'm like, oh, I insist. On Saturday, I called a local mechanic and I was like, hey, I'm selling my van to some people from out of state and I was hoping I could give you $50 in case they want to use one of your bays to look under the car for a moment. Car buying tip, any mechanic worth a salt will take you up on this offer. It's good for both the buyer and the seller to have a mechanic take a look. They know they'll be getting any work. Um, they know they'll be getting any work on any fix they identify. We meet at this local shop on a Sunday afternoon. This guy shows up in a late model silver Nissan Altima. He's heavily tattooed and his so is his friend. These guys look like real OG Mexican bangers. Like dude is wearing blue Nike Cortezes and Dickies. It's that look. Immediately I realized these aren't the soft dudes I think they are. They're real gangsters. They move real weight. And I'm doing something incredibly stupid. I'm about to rip off two guys who look like they bury people neck deep and let the coyotes eat your face off. But I'm here and they're in front of me. So I got to go through with it. So I give them a tour. We walk around the van. It's clean. It has tire shine on it. I wash it and even wax it. It looks as good as a 1979 Dodge can look. This guy's like, so you've done some engine work? I'm like, yeah, 
carb, plug, wires, plugs, distributor, etc. He's like, can I take a look? So I help him lift the clamshell and there's no rat's nest. It's looking clean-ish and it's sort of silent. So I talk. Uh, when I got in here, there was a huge rat's nest. I cleaned that out and then I got to work on the carb, the plugs, wires, belts, hoses. It's all new in there. Then the dude reaches over and straight up taps the aluminum brick. I start sweating. He looks at me. I look at him. The first thing that came out of my mouth was, I didn't bother redoing any of the heat shielding on the clamshell. Honestly, I prefer something, having some heat coming off the block in the winter, but I can see why you did it. Southern California is hot. I was trying so hard to play dumb as hell, and I sold it. He says back to me, yeah, this tape costs about $20 a roll, but it's worth it to beat the heat. I laugh. Yeah, the AC just barely works. I think you've got a leak in the system somewhere. Then he throws a curveball at me. Can I take it for a drive? I'm like, oh, totally. He's like, do you mind if my friend drives behind me in case it breaks down? I say, oh, you go right ahead. At this point, I'm thinking he's going to drive off, never to be seen again. He's gone for about 20 minutes and then comes back. He's got a big smile on his face and he's like, wow, it still drives great. Let's negotiate. So I'm like, well, you did say 6000 He comes back at me and he's like, well, I got to ship this van back. And I'm like, okay, well, what's a fair price? And he says, you have the title in your hand? I say, Well, actually, I had to do a lost title, but I can mail it to you in like a week. The reality was I did, but I hadn't done the transfer from the couple yet. He's like, all right, you know, you seem like a good guy. You can mail it in a week. I'm like, yep. He says 5,000 because it'll cost me a thousand to ship. You're a wild man for driving this old beast as far as you did. So we shake hands. It's a deal. I have a notepad with me and I say, all right, let me write you up a bill of sale. So I write his name in my name, his address in my address, quote unquote, a local Ashland address where I definitely have never lived and the quote unquote cost of the vehicle. This is a funny wrinkle. I say to the guy, hey, I'm going to write on the bill of sale that you only paid a thousand for the van so you can avoid paying more taxes in California when you go to register. You pay taxes on the sale. He's like, oh, thanks. I didn't think of that. Using the hood to press on, I sign my name. He signs his. And then he's like, all right, here's $5,000 cash. So he hands me the money. But when he reaches into his pocket, he moves his shirt in such a way that he's obviously exposes a gun in his waistband. He pauses. As he's handling me the cash... He smiles and says, thanks for taking care of the van, Shane. I'm relieved to see you left my heat shielding how it was. There's a lot of value in heat shielding. Some might say it's worth quite a bit. He gets his look in his eyes. It's like dark. He continues. You seem like a smart guy. Smart guys don't talk about things they find. They may even buy new aluminum tape, but be careless enough to leave the roll in the back seat. My throat turned into a knot, like my whole mouth went dry as fuck. He stares into my soul, like into me, fam. Then he grabs his big at then he gets his big ass smile on his face, grabs me by my shoulder and smiles. 
If you were even smarter, you would have asked for $10,000. Then he starts laughing and the guy he's with starts laughing. You know, you're a hustler, Shane. What do you do? I breathe a sigh of relief. I'm a web developer, he says. You could have been a stone-cold hustler in another life. I've never been hustled before, but you had the cojones to get your money. I like that. They hadn't checked to see what was inside the foil. They only knew that it was taped back. So I went with it. Well, you know, I found it when I was working on the van. I just didn't know how I'd ever sell it. So it's been in my freezer for a year now. He busts up laughing. Homie, you kept it in the freezer? That's wild, man. So then we sort of chop it up outside the mechanic shop for about 20 minutes. He and I had the same taste in rap music. I wanted to just keep him happy. I was trying to think of my exit plan. Finally, he's like, all right, you know, I don't want this van, but ship it to me anyway. Here's 5000 Keep the change. To be clear, he had already given me 5000 for the van. And then he gave me another 5000 I played it cool, close, close enough to 10000 I dapped him up. As soon as they left the parking lot, I sprinted into the mechanic's office where he was sitting and was like, son, I have the most obvious drug deal. Oh, <laughs> he didn't say son. He didn't say it like that. It's the mechanic. He was like, son, that was the most obvious drug deal I have ever seen. I already called the police. I felt my heart go zero to one million. Then the mechanic winks at me and he's like, I'm just fucking with you, man. This is Oregon. Everyone smokes weed. Calm down and call the cops. He sees my face and he's like, you should have been, you should have seen the look on your face. I personally was not amused. The problem was the clock was ticking. I didn't know when those dudes were going to open the foil and realize I just hustled them. So I was like, hey, if I give you $200, will you let me keep that van parked here for two days until I can get it shipped? He's like, if it's longer than two days, I'm going to charge you. If it stays here, it's mine. So I was like, that's fine. I'll be back. I knew at that moment the van was going to belong to him. I was never coming back. Most states have laws for mechanics like that. I walked out of the mechanic's office and then walked literally seven miles back to my rental, parked at my little motel. Ashland is a small town and I had picked the cheapest motel. I want to say it was like a Super 8 or something. The road this motel is on is like pretty long and straight. Like you could see a full quarter mile down the road. No problem. As I'm about 400 yards away from the entrance, I see a silver Nissan Altima pull in and go into the front office. As I walk closer, I see two guys get out and I realize it's the same guys. They haven't seen me, but we're staying at the same fucking motel. So I start speed walking. When I checked in, it took a while. So I knew I needed to hustle so I wasn't seen. I took off the flannel I was wearing, so I be in a white tank top. I fold the flannel up super small and walk fast as someone can without looking like a moron. My room was on the back side of the motel upstairs. Basically, as soon as I cleared the vision line of the back wall, I went into a full sprint and ran fast as I could up the stairs and into my room. No sooner than the moment I slammed the door, I went over the drapes and peeked out. The silver Ultima was driving around. 
I shit you not, these guys parked two spaces from my rental car and the room was directly below mine. It's a damn cheap motel, so I could have kind of sort of hear them talking, not word for word, but definitely the vocal tones plus their TV. When I saw I was quiet as a mouse, I mean, I no. when I say I was quiet as a mouse, I mean, I just sat in bed, didn't turn the TV on, didn't move. And when I had to be when I had to pee, I held it. I was terrified. Then I heard it. I heard the guy yell motherfucker i'm gonna fucking kill him then i hear him screaming but it's not clear what they're saying they yell for like 15 minutes then they get quiet my phone rings it's a blocked number i sent it to voicemail it rings again blocked number i send it to voicemail then i hear him yelling a bit more and then i hear the door downstairs slam i peek out of the little gap in the drapes and watch them take off as soon as I saw the car clear the corner, I left. I grabbed my backpack, flew down the stairs, and got in my rental. I was getting the fuck out of Ashland before I got killed. I had been on the road for about an hour when the guy calls me again, this time from his real number, not a blocks number. I answered, hey, we won't block his name out. What's up? He's yelling. We got a fucking problem. You need to bring me my fucking money right now. (laughs) I was did what I do and I talk shit. I take it you're not a big fan of John (laughs) Green. Bro, are you wild? You trying to die. He said, I take it you're not a big fan of John Grisham novels. I don't know who John Grisham is. So if I mess that name up, I'm sorry. You really should give him a chance before you get angry. The dude flew off the handle like he's shouting, motherfucker, I will kill you over and over. So I'm finally like, I'm just going to say his name is Marcus. I don't know if that's his name because it is actually blurred out, but it starts with the M. Marcus, calm down. Just listen. I think we can make a deal here. So he gets a little less on edge. What's your deal? I said, look. I know you're staying at the whatever hotel. We'll meet up there. You show me you've got your gun on the hoods of your car so I know I'm safe. He's like, okay. And I said, then I'll take back the Pelican brief wrapped in foil. And then I'll give you what you really want. A Tom Clancy novel. Everyone loves war fiction. He got quiet. He didn't say shit. I'll fucking murder you, Shane. You robbed me. You fucking die from this. Then he hung up. In 2017, the guy I ripped off for his brick was of heron was found guilty with four other guys of raping and murdering a 13-year-old girl. They were all prominent MS-13 gang members. He got... I don't know what... Basically, he got... He really got a heavy-ass fucking sentence, okay? So it looks like he won't be killing me. And that's the story of that time I brought a van with a brick of heroin in it that belonged to an MS-13 gang member, sold the brick, and then sold him his van back and wrapped up <laughs> wrapped up John Grisham's novel for $10,000. Somehow, I didn't die. And that's the story. That story, listen, the first time I read that story, I was like, damn, you are fucking bold. Like, 
for me, it was like, you never know what stories people got tucked in their memories and you got to tap into it. It's always the best stories always come from people that are traveling long as distances because you never know what you are going to see. Now, even though, like I said, I've driven across the country, I didn't see a motherfucking thing because like I said, I was on Interstate 40. And if you've seen it, you know, the, the most interesting thing I've seen was one of those rope tornadoes. That was it. I ain't seen no animals. I ain't seen nothing. So, exactly. But this story, when I first read it, shook me to the fucking core. Because, first of all, you just made $10,000 from just being a smart ass, basically. From being like an asshole, you made ten grand. I wish I could make ten grand like that. <laughs> Non-tat. You made non-tax 10 grand. Like, you had 10 grand in cash. You know what the fuck I would do with 10 grand in cash? I'll pay off some of these loans. But, yeah, <laughs> I didn't even, even want the front. I'm paying off some of these loans. Like, student loans, all sh- types of shit. But, anyways, guys, I wanted to take a break from the creepy stories this week. I know that... You want to hear them. We'll get back to them. But this story was fucking insane. And it had you the whole time. I'm thinking to myself right now, Shane, are you all right? Because, but let me not say, are you all right? Are you okay? Because, yeah, you got the, you got those gang members. But I would like to think that these gang members all work together so there's some of them people that is free that would be taking the vengeance for marcus if he wanted to get you just saying and where the fuck did tyler go like tyler was there and then tyler disappeared like i bet tyler wish he did try to sell that brick with you because he could have got a cut out of 10k he probably could have got 3k out of that damn crazy story huh So, like I said, next week we'll go back to doing the creepy stories that I find off of the subreddit, Let's Not Meet, if you want to read some on your own, because I'm telling you right now, the stories that I read, I ain't reading nothing about nobody being in somebody's house. (laughs) I'm just telling you right now, I will read the ones about robberies and gas stations and where people are on the street. But when it comes to the house, I'm not, I don't know if I want to read those, y'all, because those kind of stick with me. <laughs> I actually be a little bit scared. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Have a good day and make sure you stay okay. <laughs>